Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed, Play, Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Kerry Sackville is starting a wellness revolution. She's pushing back against minimalism, tidy pantries and white lounges. And she wants you to know that embracing a little bit of mess may just be the saviour of your sanity. Her latest book is called The Life-Changing Magic of a Little Bit of Mess. Kerry, welcome to Feed, Play, Love. <gasps> so good to be here. <laughs> and not on a white couch. <laughs> oh my God, white couches. <laughs> Look, you are very clear in this book about your thoughts on tidy pantries and colour-coded bookshelves. But have you ever been moved by neatly labelled mason jars? Oh my God, <laughs> the mason jars. You know, when I started writing this book, um, I... You know, obviously took a deep dive into the cleaning and tidying and home organization and hashtag home inspo industry. And the aspirational pantry is like a real thing. In fact, there I think it was one of the Kardashians, I think Chloe Kardashian did a walkthrough of her aspirational pantry on Instagram recently. And this is something that I really struggled to get my head around. I've written about it in the book. Like the whole idea of decanting everything. You know, you, you get your biscuits in a perfectly good packet. It's labeled biscuits. You know what's inside, right? But then you actually open the packet and you put all the biscuits into a mason jar. What's inside? I don't know. So now I have to label it biscuits. And then what happens when you're topping the biscuits up? Because you can't just put the new biscuits on top of the old. So presumably you have to empty it out and put the biscuits on the ground. Well, maybe not on the ground, on the kitchen bench, and then top them up with other biscuits, put the old biscuits on top, where do you store the extra biscuits while you're waiting? Like, so they must be there somewhere in the back of the pantry. Anyway, none of it makes sense, Chev. <laughs> well, I think the main point there that it, possibly a Kardashian doesn't do their own shopping. I would say that's. I would say that's probably a good assumption. <laughs> and maybe that's why they have to have labels, just so they know where the yes. food is that somebody else has unpacked. Correct. But this is also why people need to put their aspirational pantries on Instagram because. No one looks in your pantry. Normally it's behind <laughs> doors. So people spend all this time organizing their pantries and writing the labels and it's always in calligraphy, right? You can't just write <laughs> chocolate biscuits. It's got to be in beautiful calligraphic writing with like a fountain pen. <laughs> so you have to put pictures on, on social media because no one's going to see it. What a waste. Uh, it would be a waste. Now, of course, the title of this book is The Life-Changing Magic of a Little Bit of Mess and uh, you do outline your arguments clearly in your book for a number of things. Why do you think a little bit of mess is a good idea? Oh, look, you know, I, I, when I was writing this book, I, I was looking at, as I said, uh, online, all the home inspo people, and I read a couple of books on, on cleaning and tidying. I read the very famous book that, that I won't name, but it's something like, you know, the life-changing magic of throwing out all your things and leading this cold, <laughs> austere, you know, very, very harsh and um, boring life. And I was thinking to myself, you know, there's so much pressure on people to live these perfect lives. You know, our bodies need to be perfect. Our faces need to be unlined. Our hair needs to be free of grey. And, you know, you and I have talked about grey hairs a lot. And now on top of everything else, we need to have perfectly clean and tidy homes where, you know, that was fine back in the 50s when women were at home and men were out in the workforce and that's a woman's job to take care of the house. But now we're supposed to go out and work and look after the kids and make sure that the kids are fulfilled and reaching their potential. And yet we're still meant to have spotless pantries. We're still meant to have, you know, tidy kitchens and, and 
I know you meant you meant to dust your light fittings. Apparently, you meant to dust your light fittings like once a week. I read this in one of the home management books. Like, I didn't even know you had to dust them at all. No one looks up there. <laughs> You have to polish your skirting boards. I don't know what a skirting board's for, like what to hold up the wall. And I was just thinking, why do we need this pressure? Life is hard enough. And who cares anyway? Like, I've never heard anybody say, you know, I went to Chef's house for dinner. It was such a lovely night, but there was, you know, there was a mark on the wall so I couldn't enjoy myself. Or the chicken (laughs) didn't taste great. I know that she didn't like deep clean the oven before she made it. (laughs) No one's ever got to the end of their life and said, I really wish I'd spent more time with my steam mop. Your kids are not saying, oh, we love mum because she puts hospital corners on our sheets. No one cares about your mess. Take the pressure off and stop this endless struggle against mess because we're all inextricably moving towards chaos. That's the nature of the universe. You know, entropy is coming for us. Don't fight it. Relax. Wow, that life is much easier. Really quick. <laughs> like, yeah, this escalated quickly. <laughs> I didn't see it where that was going there, but right. Wow. Um, what strikes me about what you were just talking about is I remember somewhere at some point in uni uh, being read an actual excerpt from a magazine or a book about how you should prepare for your husband coming home. <gasps> yes, and you put a fresh ribbon in your hair. And you put lipstick on. Oh, yeah. And, of course, I mean, that was 20 years ago now, mm-hmm. and we all laughed uproariously and thought, those poor women, like, who would do that now? And yet what you're just talking about there in terms of all this home inspo, it's just another form of, it sounds like another form of getting women back in the kitchen and back into this domestic duty. I'm so glad you said that. I actually, you know, the book is humorous. It's funny. I wrote it to make people laugh, but there's also a very real message underlying it. And I snuck in a little chapter about feminism. And the thing is, this is a pressure that that is felt by women to keep their houses spotlessly clean. It's not felt by men. And you know, I was thinking about the number of women who say to me, oh, but my husband doesn't notice mess, you know. But then you look at that, as I wrote in the book, you look at the husband's cars and let me tell you, one scratch on the car and he notices, you know, a coffee cup in the car and he notices. And what it is, it's not that there's anything wrong with men's eyes or that our eyes are better. It's just that men are socialized to care about their cars and we're socialized to believe that we need a perfect home in order to be good and decent people. And I think I, I, I wrote a long list in the book of what actually makes you a good and decent person. And it's not having a clean home. It's things like, you know, liking your friend's Instagram post, even though it's not that interesting. It's like a photo of her cat, you know, or, or you know, when it asks you when you make a purchase um, to click the button so that you donate the extra dollar to save wildlife, like that kind of thing makes you a good person. Having, you know, an absolutely pristine bathroom does not make you a good person. Yeah. But isn't it, um, it feels so insidious that all these things are coming through social media and yeah. then packaged in a way, like you say, that's aspirational, that you could, you too can be this glamorous, amazing influencer if you spend your weekends cleaning out your pantry. Exactly. Like the, the whole hashtag home inspo thing is, is the modern way of going back to the 1950s housewife, how to be a good wife kind of yes. standards. It's just packaged differently. And, you know, I was just so surprised when I started looking because this was never something that I paid much attention to until I started writing the book. <laughs> there are Facebook groups where people exchange, you know, cleaning tips and tricks and recipes for homemade cleaning products. And they're incredibly concerned with things. How do I get this stain off my tiles? You know, how do I get the the toilet looking absolutely like I've got this tiny, tiny mark on the toilet or, or, you know, how do I get the washing machine smelling beautiful? If you love to do that, great. But on top of everything else that women have to do in the course of a day, like why are we spending hours and hours trying to reach these standards of perfection? 
seriously, who cares? Mm. How is it enhancing your life? Like, how is it making you happier? I'd rather like watch Netflix and take a nap, you know, <laughs> or do something else. I, th- I think all amazing. of, really all of these things, it's this, exactly the same as the diet industry, which is trying to get women to, to focus intensely on their bodies and trying to get to like a size here, a size, you know, six in, in America, like a size zero, focus on our faces, like God forbid we have wrinkles or our faces actually move. Um, focus on our clothes and everything. Inst- and, and when women direct so much energy into that, it's like they're not, di- what are they not directing their energy into? And they're not directing their energy into their careers or into just self-actualization, fulfillment, doing things that they enjoy. Yeah. You know, go and go and paint, like write a book. Or not, like- not on cleaning, like not on anti-cleaning. <laughs> I, d- I did that. Don't write a book on mess. <laughs> but I like the idea of just, like you say, watching Netflix and having a nap. What's wrong with that? Well, like, it works for me. <laughs> And and I feel I feel a lot better about myself when I'm rested than when I'm running around frantically trying to make everything perfect. And it'll be perfect for five minutes. If you've got kids, if you've got a dog, if you live with other people, you can get your house to look absolutely pristine if you put in a huge amount of work. How long will it last? They walk in the door and bam, it's it's done. Yeah. So because particularly if you're raising kids, I mean there is the home inspo, and then you've got the combination of influencers online who incorporate the home inspo, but somehow manage to have five children clad in linen yes. with clean hair. White linen. Or, or it's usually off-white, I Off-white, think. yeah, or charcoal. Yeah. Like, like natural fibres. Yes, exactly. And it, yeah. and they're walking through a room yeah. that looks like no one has touched that pillow on the lounge and she's got five kids. Yeah. So it feels like, you know, in that particular genre as well, it's like, wait, hold on a second. That's not how my kids behave. Yeah. But it's it also, I, I mean, you can achieve that, but at what cost? Like I, I remember, you know, my daughter, I'm, I'm here with my daughter and, and she was asking me when we were on the way here, she said, um, was there ever a time in your life when you were super clean, mum? And I remember <laughs> after my first child was born, I, I'd somehow assimilated that idea that everything needs to be put away. At the end of the day, your house needs to look like a baby doesn't actually live there. <laughs> and I did that for, you know, a while, not long, because of course, as soon as a toddler can actually pick up a toy and throw it on the floor, then it becomes much harder. It's easier when they actually don't touch their toys. You just wave them in their face and put them away yourself. And then I tried it. And by the time my second child was born and it became clear that A, this was impossible and B, like, why? Why did I need to live in a house that looked like kids don't live there? Yeah. I, I, I just couldn't see the point of it. I couldn't see the benefit and I still can't. And something that I, I wrote in the book and that I really do feel is when you walk into someone else's home and there's a little bit of mess, I'm not talking about squalor. I'm not talking about, you know, walking into a hoarder's house. When there's a little bit of mess, you feel so much more comfortable. Yeah. Like you might walk into someone's house and it's one of those aspirational houses where everything is perfect and everything's put away and everything's white. It's always white. And you might actually admire it briefly, but you're not going to feel comfortable there. You're not going to feel comfortable sitting on their white couch having red wine. At least I won't because I know I'm going to spill it and it's, <laughs> I'll never be invited back. And that actually did happen to me once and we stopped being friends. But I feel so much more comfortable going to a home that's a little bit shambolic because it feels relaxed and you know that people actually live there and it's okay to, to spill your biscuit crumbs. On the couch, no one's going to care. You can sit and put your feet up on the table. In the book, when you talk about this kind of little bit of mess and and just feeling more comfortable in a home like that, you also say that we should never apologize for the state of our home, which I find really interesting because when I read that, 
and I was thinking about it, I thought, actually, that is as natural to me as saying please and thank you. Yes. Why is that? You know, I remember literally saying, please excuse the mess to a tradie who was coming to my house, who was going to make mess. I'd apologize for the mess to a postman delivering a package. It is so ingrained in us. And, you know, I was thinking about why we do that. And when we say, please excuse the mess, we're not really apologizing for the mess. Our mess doesn't inconvenience anyone, unless you're actually asking someone to come over and clean your house, in which case, God, I'd love to meet you. Like, if you want to come over and clean my house, I have nothing against clean houses. I just don't want to do it myself. Um, but we're not really apologizing because we know our mess doesn't impact on someone at all. What we're really saying is we want people to know when we say, please excuse the mess, this is not what my house usually looks like. Like my house is usually pristine. I don't know what <laughs> happened today. Like this is just really weird that suddenly I've got piles of laundry on the floor. I've never seen them before. Yeah, you know, suddenly there's a dish in the sink. And so we're trying to tell people I'm usually a neat person. And again, why? Like I think we need to start thinking about why we feel the need to do that and why we feel the need to present this perfect face to the world. It's okay to have a messy house. It's okay to have a house that looks lived in. You do not need to apologize for your mess ever to anyone. Yeah. It is so ingrained. It's it's and it's one of those things that I I wasn't aware of. Like, yeah. I am aware of certain things I have the desire to please or that sort of thing, but I was never aware that I had this ingrained thing about my home and and yeah. having it clean. I mean, I do feel better when my house is a little bit tidy. Yeah. But that's not what you're talking no. about, you know, like I do want a clean toilet. But again, that's not what you're talking about. You're talking about when people are obsessively trying to keep their house yeah. insta-worthy. Yeah. The, the key is little bit. It's little bit. It's not, as I said, it's not having to fight your way through piles and piles of hoarded junk. And it's not about living in filth. Like I've got this whole section at the end of the book, which is um, like a triage system for mess. Like how do you work out what to clean and what not to clean? How do you work out what to tidy? And, you know, obviously anything that's going to lead to a vermin infestation <laughs> or a fungal infection or a bad smell or anything that's just generally disgusting, of course you've got to clean. But then I've got like what can wait? And nearly everything after that can wait. But then there's things that never need to be done at all. And so one of my favourites is like, you don't need floors that are so clean you can eat off the floors. If you're going to eat off the floors, it's much easier just to invest in some plates. Like <laughs> eat off plates instead, then you do not need to make sure. Like most of us do not need hospital-grade floors, right? right? And things like, oh, my God, it, it dements me because I've seen so many YouTube videos about it. The YouTube videos about how to fold your fitted sheets, right? You fold, oh yeah, <laughs> there's YouTube videos, how to fold your fitted sheets perfectly. And then you put the, uh, the regular sheets on top of it and then you put it all in a pillowcase and then you, you know, put it neatly into the closet. Oh into my God, I'm going to have to look closet. now. Like seriously, Chef, is your bed going to feel more comfortable because you folded your fitted sheet into the linen closet in a certain way. I'm just fascinated because I didn't think you could actually fold a fitted sheet. Oh, God. Sheet. Okay, now I've started something. You're going to be off fold. This is exactly the opposite of what I wanted to achieve. I failed. I just want to say I'm that. I'm sorry. It's just the physics of it, really. Yeah. It's, it's, not, it's not that I will keep doing it. Just circling back, you've talked about why we should have a little bit of mess, and that's like that balance between being obsessive about having a tidy house and then having something that's comfortable. And you also talk a lot about decluttering, which has been a huge thing. Yes. And you have a very different take on it and I love it. So please explain your approach. I do. You know, I read, obviously I've read Marie Kondo um, and there's another book which I was just 
shocked and sort of amused and slightly horrified by. There's a book called The, the Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning, <laughs> which is sort of like Murray Kondo, except it's for people to declutter their homes so that their children don't have to do it after their death. So as you approach a certain age, probably like my age, <laughs> no. you need to start thinking about the next generation. And I was thinking, I'm not going to do that. I like my stuff. And then I was thinking, I mean, if my parents want to do it, sure. Like I'll give them the garbage <laughs> bags and they can clean it out. Much easier for me. My parents' house is very cluttered. But the thing about clutter is my favorite memories from childhood are visiting my grandparents' house in Melbourne. My grandmother, I wouldn't call her a hoarder, but she didn't like throwing things out. And she had cupboards and cupboards of things like accessories, like junk jewelry, old handbags, old faux fur coats, oh, wow. like boots that came up to my knees, um, little knickknacks, old photos. And so my sister and I used to go there on school holidays and we would spend hours and hours rummaging through her drawers, playing with things, trying on her clothes. It was so lovely. Like it was just her house was fascinating. There was in the bathroom there were, you know, little soaps and little shampoo containers and and in the kitchen there was all sorts of, you know, you get into the pantry and there's all sorts of old food at the back and you'd rummage around <laughs> and find like crusty old biscuits from nineteen twenty. But it was fun. It was a wonderland and all of these austere homes where everything's pared down to a minimum. Yeah, it's fine if you're, you know, you're an adult living without kids, but if you've got kids in your life, you just wait till your kids, you know, need to dress up, right? And they they want to where, I don't know, like in, in my house, they want to wear a gold lame dress or a funny hat or they need pipe cleaners to create something. I've got it because I don't throw stuff out and my <laughs> cupboards are full of stuff. And, you know, my, my daughter will come to me and say, oh, mum, do you have like a makeup purse? I've got about 18. You know, they're, they're there. There's actually was in our storage storage area this morning putting some stuff away and I was like, oh, I didn't realise I still have like 18 folders, you know, because my daughter had asked me for a folder. Like there's just... Stuff, it's interesting. Okay, hey, you got to tell us about the cows. There's, oh, God, I, I've got this collection of like paper mache cows. It's so strange. We were away <laughs> in Bali many years ago and I bought this little paper mache giraffe because I thought it was cute. And when I got home, they'd put the wrong thing in it. It was a cow. And from then on, we just started, like so people would just give me cows as gifts. So I bought myself <laughs> cows. We have cows everywhere. I love my cows. I'm never getting rid of my cows. But the thing is, in my house, there's always something to look at. There's always something to find. You know, I reach my hand down the back of the couch and I'll pull out a stuffed toy or maybe a coin, <laughs> chocolate bar, you know. I, and the other thing is the flip side is when you do throw things out, like decluttering regret is very real because yeah. I know, you know, I had several pairs of flared pants back in the day when flared pants were a thing. And then, of course, flared pants weren't a thing, so I got rid of them all. Well, what do you know? Uh -huh. Flared pa pants are back. And I find myself longingly remembering you know, oh, these green tartan kind of flared, like velvety pants. Oh, my God, they're amazing. And they're gone. They've gone. Gone. So many things gone because, you know, I had I had my decluttering phase many years ago. And, God, I had this big khaki leather jacket that I still think about to this day. You know, we had a SpongeBob SquarePants sandwich toaster. <laughs> and it would stamp SpongeBob onto everything. And I remember getting to a point where I thought the kids are too old for this, but now they're old enough so that it would be ironic. You yes, know, yes. I wish I'd kept it. Yeah. And it's funny, isn't it? Because we're taught with decluttering, even though, you know, there's that idea of if it doesn't bring you joy, get rid of it. It's kind of this attitude that it's almost sinful to like material things. Yes. And yet you can get so much joy. So much joy. I love, my, cow. I love my cows. But the other thing is you've got to remember, it doesn't actually save the environment to throw out your stuff. 
if you want to save the environment, hang on to your stuff and use the stuff you've got. Like throwing out all your old clothes, it's much better to keep them and try and wear them and find ways to to rewear them. You know, sometimes I'll, I'll pick something out now. I have this whole system where if I don't wear something for a while, I just shove it in the top system, I call it. I throw <laughs> it in the top of my wardrobe, balled up. And then honestly, a couple, couple of years later, I'll take it out and go, oh, I remember that. Like, I like that now. I wear that now. Or you can maybe repurpose it for something else. But this whole idea that it's really virtuous to throw things out isn't actually helping anyone. Mm. It's just creating gaps where we want to buy more stuff. If you, if you want to save the environment, don't buy anything else. Just use the stuff you've got. And I highly recommend paper mache cows as a way of <laughs> sparking joy. So I've got to say, uh, we're changing seasons now and you've yes. just given me a whole load of reasons why I don't need to do anything. No. Thank you. Kerry, it's such a funny book. Thank you so much for coming in and talking about it. Such a pleasure. And remember, disarray is okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think you need to do a T-shirt. I should. What a good idea. It's actually a really good idea. Hashtag don't copy that. Yeah. Okay. That's author and writer Kerry Sackville, and you can find her book, The Life-Changing Magic of a Little Bit of Mess, by looking at the notes of this episode. I'm Siobhan Hunt. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us so we can reach and help even more parents. And if you have a topic you'd like me to cover, send your email to feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.